I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Martin Luther's Evening Prayer would like to send you a gift. We have printed a CD featuring three slightly abridged programs from our radio broadcast. You may enjoy these messages on any CD player, and you may pass the disc on to a friend to give him or her a feel for our services and our message. The messages include, first, your one job, life's purpose. Secondly, love for the lost, an experience that many Christians have. And third, the rapture, the Bible teaching on this interesting point. These messages will be of interest to many and can be listened to while driving. You may write to us to request your disc at St. John's Lutheran Church, 13115 Telegraph Road, Taylor, Michigan, 48180. Include your name and address where we can ship you the disc. Or you can email me at drzile at juno.com. That's D-R-Z-E-I-L-E at juno, J-U-N-O dot com, C-O-M. Again, send your name and address. These are free of charge, but your gift to support this ministry is appreciated, and it is tax deductible. Don't forget that messages from Martin Luther's Evening Prayer may be heard on buzzsprout.com, a blog feed you can subscribe to for free. May the Lord richly bless you today.
Somewhat later, the second day of November was set aside as a Christian Memorial Day of all who had died in the Christian faith. This holiday of November 2nd was called All Souls Day. By the time of the Lutheran Reformation, however, these holidays had become corrupted. It was thought that the saints were those in heaven whose good works or merits outweighed their sins. And so people were encouraged to pray to the saints in the hope that the saints would share their merits with the living and use their influence with Christ, the heavenly judge, for either earthly blessing or time off of punishments in purgatory. In contrast with the saints, the souls of departed Christians were thought to be in purgatory, needing cleansing from their remaining sins. And it was taught that such departed ordinary Christians needed the Holy Communion offered for them as well as prayers and intercessions of the saints. In short, by Luther's day, all saints had become a time to pray to the saints and all souls had become a time to offer masses for the dead. Other superstitions became associated with these days as we see reflected in our Halloween customs, traditions, and developments. You may know that the word Halloween is a contraction of All Hallows' Eve, the old English term for All Saints' Eve. Praise be to God for Luther's reforming work. It was on the eve of All Saints' Day that he posted those 95 theses which questioned the whole theology of purgatory and indulgences, calling us back to St. Paul's teaching that we are saved only by the merits and intercession of Christ, and this by faith in Him. There is no need then for us to pray for the dead or to ask the saints to pray for us, for Christ Himself does and will do what is necessary for us and for our departed in the faith. St. Paul usually uses the word saint in the plural for all who have been saved by faith in Christ. And this is a great truth. None can claim any holiness or sanctity apart from the grace of Christ. If we distinguish ordinary Christians from saints, it is a difference in degree and not in kind. For the saints were sinners like us. Paul himself describes himself as the chief of sinners, and yet he can tell the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The saints are sinners that God has used in glorious ways, as we may hope that God will use us. We call those Christian saints whose lives conspicuously demonstrate the grace of God in the imitation of Christ, whether it be the martyrs to whom God gave courage to face death, or the confessors to whom God gave strength to forsake house and home for service to others 
or the doctors and teachers of the church to whom God gave wisdom to understand Christian doctrine and teach it by word and deed. Each saint in his or her own way imitates Christ and reflects some facet of Christ which serves as an example for us. You might think that imitating Christ and the saints would lead us to have very similar lives and personalities. Some people today seem to think that living a Christian life is a stifling, restricted affair. Actually, that is not true at all. The Christian life is a very liberating thing. While we are born into sin and the preoccupation with the self, Christians enjoy with the saints, markedly so, an ability to love others. While most people live lives of dull conformism, the saints have often been conspicuous by their freedom from social convention. Some, like Saint Anthony of the third century, lived in the desert. Saint Simon lived on top of a pole for years. Some, like Saint Francis, gave all their wealth to the poor and lived in poverty. Others, like Saint Louis, the King of France, used the sword to protect Christians. Some saints married and had families, like Saint Thomas More, the Chancellor of England, who was a lawyer. Others embraced virginity, as did Saint Paul the Apostle and Saint Augustine. Some had visions, others experienced doubts. Even among Jesus' followers, the diversity is striking. Mary, the mother of our Lord, had always been a pious believer in God and probably a perpetual virgin. Mary Magdalene, on the other hand, had a very shameful past and was at one time possessed by seven devils. In the life of every saint and Christian, true faith in Christ and imitation of Christ leads to a true freedom from sin to become the individual which God intended at your creation. But sinful human beings see the rewards of the saints and covet them. Like an ignorant man who coveted his physician's income and respect forged a medical diploma. So we misunderstand through sanctity and the imitation of Christ. We are always tempted to imitate the outward appearance of Christ or his saints. In the past, some have taught that true holiness required foregoing marriage as Christ did, or living in poverty as Christ did, or becoming a preacher as Christ did, or by performing miracles. This is not what imitating Christ is about, and yet Luther complains that many superstitious people in his day actually believed that dressing in certain clothing, especially being buried in a monk's robe like that of St. Francis, would make you more holy and pleasing to God. Such people read stories of the woman who touched Jesus' robe to be healed, and instead of imitating her faith in the Lord's healing power, they sought to find pieces of the Savior's clothing. Now it is easy for us to be smug about other people's crass attempts to counterfeit sanctity by its outward trappings.
But aren't we often guilty of an equivalent sin? We may not masquerade as saints by imitating their clothing, but don't we often imitate their good actions with self-centered or self-serving motives? Don't we often think that outward actions are the essence of sanctity and put our confidence in our outward goodness before God? When we judge others harshly and ourselves generously, when we are more concerned with the appearance of our lives than with their substance, when we think primarily of ourselves as benefiting from righteous actions, then we are guilty of the sin of the Pharisees. A self-righteousness which is outwardly good but inwardly selfish is disgusting to God. Instead, St. Paul would have us imitate him, not merely in outward actions, good works and such, but primarily in his faith. All saints live by faith in God, rejoicing in the grace he sends into each life. The life of the saint is not one of constant self-preoccupation, but rather one of concern for others. God and fellow man. The true imitation of Christ is the conforming of the heart to God's will. This may sound ominous. We always seem to say God's will be done in the most hopeless situations. But there is good news. God's will for you is for your eternal joy in his kingdom. He has sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to win a place for you. He has sent you the Holy Spirit to bring you into a saving faith and confident living in the knowledge that all we have is nothing compared to what we will receive. Therefore, we will give of our earthly possessions freely, even as Christ is giving us life and light, joy and salvation with his own true body and blood this very morning. Christ lives in us. May we imitate him in our lives as did the saints. Amen.
You have surrounded us with so great a cloud of witnesses that we may be encouraged by their faith and strengthened by their fellowship and may run with perseverance the race that is set before us and together with them receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night, for into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Then go to sleep at once and in good cheer.